to John 17. Um, Jesus uh, praying here um, both for the disciples and for the church. And uh, oftentimes we think of the Lord's Prayer uh, where Jesus, where the disciples asked Jesus to teach uh, them to pray by calling that the Lord's Prayer. But that's really a model prayer. And here we see Christ praying for believers. And it, it, it's, this um, verses are his kind of farewell prayer prior to going to the cross. He spends time in prayer in the garden, but this is kind of ends that um, farewell discourse where he's been speaking and teaching directly to the disciples about what's going to happen. And he ends that time of teaching that we have been studying this summer with a prayer uh, to the Father. And uh, this prayer is just so packed full of um, theology, uh, content, instruction, even understanding of who Christ is and his deity. And it's a, um, a, a beautiful prayer of his love, care, and desire uh, to uh, just make sure that his disciples know that they will be taken care of and that they have a mission and work to do as he prays uh, for them. So let's look together at God's word. I'm going to back up um, again like we did last time and begin reading in verse uh, 29 of chapter 16 to give us a bit of fuller context because Jesus is teaching them specifically uh, about his um, going away, his, his instruction to them about being his children, uh, about the work that they're going to do and accomplish and their belief in God and how he is uniquely connected to God and an aspect of, of deity, and then he moves straight into this prayer as he prays for the disciples. So uh, beginning in verse 29, his disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and do not use figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you, not, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming indeed. It has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jerry did a great job teaching this last week, but he sets this verse up in this prayer with a call to peace and a, an actual um, picture of what is going on in the world with tribulation, and then he moves directly uh, into prayer. So Jesus uh, says here in uh, John writing in chapter 17, verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave to me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifest your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they kept the, your word. Now they know 
that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you have sent, you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except for the son of destruction, the scripture, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, uh, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world." Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And you sent me into the world so that I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in you, in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me uh, and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory and to have given me, and you have given me uh, because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will con continue to make it known that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. Let's pray um, with the reading of the Lord, God's word. Father, thank you that we have this prayer of Jesus, a prayer of instruction, a prayer of care, a, a, a prayer of love, uh, a prayer of encouragement. And Lord, most of all, a prayer that even deeply reveals who you are uh, to us as your children. Lord, thank you um, that we can call out to you in prayer. Thank you that our Savior, Jesus Christ, has given us this example of praying to you. Thank you, Lord, that we know you and love you. In Christ's name, amen. This prayer, uh, this morning we're going to look at is Jesus' farewell prayer. We really don't know exactly where the disciples were at the time that this prayer um, was, uh, was called out to God. Uh, it seems very clear that this was an audible prayer that the disciples were aware of, aware of so that they could uh, record it, John could record it in his word. Um, and it's an amazing prayer if we think about it. The very 
picture that we get to kind of peer in to the Godhead, that Christ Jesus, the Son of God, Himself God, now is calling out to the Father and, and revealing all these intricate pieces of, of, of theology and, and interconnectedness of God Himself and God and His relationship with His disciples and, and His followers and, and what He is uh, doing and, and going uh, to do and accomplish on His behalf and even a prayer for them as they remi- remain behind. Uh, all these things are wrapped up into this, this picture that we get to see as we read God's Word and we look at uh, the very words of Christ Jesus himself, who is fully God, to God the Father as he is calling out um, to him in prayer. Now, there's a couple of aspects of this prayer that, that we see. The first is this uh, Jesus is praying for himself. And then secondly, we'll see a, a portion of this kind of shifts, and he begins to pray for his disciples. And then the prayer ends with praying uh, for the church or for all believers. And so in this prayer, we should take encouragement because Christ Jesus not only is praying for the moment that he's preparing for of going to the cross, but also praying for those who are left behind that they might have courage and encouragement to carry on. And then he prays at the end for ultimately the work and ministry that they will accomplish, which is the believers that are going to come um, from their ministries that will then follow Christ. So this is a, um, a, a total picture of what Jesus is doing, kind of his, his last statement of farewell is a prayer to the Father where he calls out to him uh, on behalf of himself, on behalf of his disciples, and then on behalf of other believers, which are really you and me. So uh, today we can take comfort in the fact that Jesus Christ himself, and we'll look at this in a minute, but he intercedes on behalf of us before the Father at the throne room of God. But even as he went to the cross, he had you and I in mind as the believers that would come behind uh, through the ministry of the disciples, and he, he lifted us up to the Father. So we can take great courage and encouragement Uh, in that today. We think most likely because as we kind of saw the end of of chapter um, 14, 15 there that Jesus says at at the Last Supper, let's rise up and go out, that Jesus now is making his way to the Garden uh, of Gethsemane and most likely this prayer time occurs somewhere in the Kidron Valley uh, as Jesus is preparing uh, to go to the garden where he will spend time uh, with the disciples and spend time alone in prayer. And in this prayer, the disciples are able to record the actual words of Jesus, and it becomes a a picture of Christ interceding uh, on behalf of his followers, on behalf of the disciples, on behalf of us as believers, much like the high priest who would go before and make sacrifice Uh, for uh, sins and the forgiveness of sins in the Old Testament. Now, Jesus Christ is preparing himself uh, to go and become that ultimate sacrifice for God that our sins uh, might be forgiven. And he recognizes that the mission itself will move out from this place into all uh, the earth and even lifts up that work in ministry and prayer. So, 
We begin our, our time together in this study and looking at Jesus' um, prayer for himself. And so the first thing we see is this idea of glorification. And here, um, when we think about the glory of God, that is an aspect of, of his um, eternal uh, nature and omnipresence and, 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 and just the nature of God himself being above all, being um, the one that is solely worthy of worship. And now Jesus Christ, in these verses, is connecting himself to that. He has taught the, the fact that he is divine, that he has come from God, and now he is praying that the aspect of glory would be upon himself because of the work and the faithfulness that he has had um, in, to the Father. So he begins with saying, uh, he lifted up his eyes into heaven, um, and he says, His hour has come, glorify your Son, that the uh, Son may glorify you. And so he is, is calling out uh, to the Father, asking for the Father to do a, a work on his behalf so that God himself may receive glory and that Christ uh, would have attained glory in the work of atonement that he is about to do. And so... Christ first asked uh, for himself to be glorified, and second, he, he, he asked that um, the glory uh, of God would be acknowledged, which is ultimately occurs in his work of salvation uh, on the cross. And so he begins by pointing to the, the work and the ministry and the purpose for, at hand, which is that of um, going to the cross so that he might die and so that salvation itself may accomplish, be accomplished. Um, we know uh, in, in the scriptures uh, in, in, in Genesis, Adam came, and Adam, uh, through um, as first man, his response to God ultimately was distrust that led to unbelief that then led to their sin, um, and their uh, basically forsaking God's instruction. But here in Jesus Christ, uh, the true Adam, he comes in his final uh, words of prayer uh, to the Father as he goes out and away uh, from the disciples in all um, basics uh, here is that God himself will be glorified through the actions that he's taken. And so Christ is faithful and will remain faithful. He goes then on then to say, uh, since you have given himself authority over all flesh. And so basically this is uh, a, the authority that Christ has been granted is that of authority over all of humanity. And so Christ, him, again, this is an, a, a, a true picture of Christ's declaration of his own, um, uh, the, the, the fact that he himself is, is uniquely uh, God and that he is uh, divine. He says, um, to, to, and, and not only does he have authority, but he has authority to give eternal life to all whom you have uh, given him. And, and certainly if the Jews had heard these words, they would understand them to be uh, blasphemy except for his own divinity. And so we now see the Lord's prayer here uh, for eternal life. And, and then he tells us what eternal life is. And oftentimes we think about eternal life is life ongoing, that, that life uh, doesn't end. But 
really in the scriptural understanding of eternal life is, is life uh, of, of, of satisfaction in God, living with God, in worshiping Him, in faithfulness uh, to God. And so that's what Jesus is pointing to here. And He says, and this eternal life that uh, they know you, I think I lost the uh, mic there, um, that they may know you, the only true God. So eternal life is connected with knowing God. It is not simply uh, a, a just an understanding of who God is, but, but it is connected to... Um, good job. <laughs> uh, it's connected with who we are as believers. And so knowing God is the cause of eternal life. And knowing is not simply an ascent of knowledge, it's actually a, a, a dedication of, of serving and living uh, for Him. And this is eternal life, that you know God, the only true God in Jesus Christ who sent Him. And so we have eternal life. Jesus here, as He's praying this final prayer, is, is a discussing uh, what is to come after His death. It's that uh, reality of eternal life that exists for those who believe in Him by first knowing God, but through trusting in the work and accomplishment of Jesus Christ. And so he begins here by praying for God to gl bring glory to Himself through the culmination of His plan of salvation, that uh, through knowing Him, those that follow Him would have eternal life that Jesus Christ himself grants through his work and ministry on the cross. He then goes on to say, um, in verse 4, I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do, and now, God, Father, glorify me in your presence with glory that I had with you before the world existed. So here we see this Lord's is our Lord Jesus Christ is praying for the accomplishment of his work. And just as I spoke about the failure and the sin of Adam, we have, now have Jesus Christ praying for the faithfulness to accomplish the work that the Lord has called him to, to do, uh, which exists in a, in a couple of aspects. He's been faithful in the fact that he took on humanity. He is fully God, yet he took on humanity uh, and became fully man in uh, his incarnation into the world. He also has lived now in obedience. He, this is his final act of obedience into the, of the plan of the Father is moving forward to the cross to accomplish salvation in God's plan uh, for his people. So he has lived under the law and where all men before, from David, Moses, uh, even Adam, have, have, have sinned and failed to keep the law, now Christ Jesus comes to the point prior to going to the cross, and, and he has accomplished living out a life that glorifies God under the law. And then Christ has accomplished salvation, or will accomplish salvation in the cross, and then he has put forth the helper that will come alongside, which is um, the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying here that he is accomplishing the work that God's called him to, and that he is going, seeking to be glorified in God's presence, so he desires uh, to be present with God. 
And then we have this picture of the eternal nature, the clarity of the eternal nature. You, any Christmas or Easter or whenever you turn on the History Channel, there's this like, oh, Jesus and the disciples never understood himself to be God. It was a, 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 prior, a later understanding that was read into the Scriptures. Well, I'm sorry, but it says here, uh, I was, had been with you before the world existed. So I think Jesus is pretty clear on his pre-existence as well as the fact that God himself is, has glorified him. So this is a, an aspect of the divinity of Christ clearly from his own mouth as he prays to the Father. And so uh, here we have this picture of his prayer to himself. He's praying uh, for glorification in the action of salvation, praying that um, his people, the disciples, the, those who God has given him would experience and know eternal life and praying that the work that the Lord has called him to would be accomplished. And so that's his, his prayer for himself. Now we look here in the second aspect, beginning in verse 6, of the prayer for his disciples. And here we see his intimate uh, relationship and a desire that care and comfort would be known uh, by the disciples through God himself as he uh, departs. So verse uh, 6 says, I have manifested your name to the people who you have given, gave me out of the world. And so Christ is referring most specifically uh, to the disciples, but broadly, uh, those, most specifically to those 11 who are present with him, but then broadly to those who have been his followers uh, throughout his earthly ministry. And he speaks to the fact that they are, are his people. Uh, and so we have this prayer for the disciples, this prayer uh, for his people. And, um, Christ, and it goes on to say, Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Um, and Jesus, in his work on the uh, in his earthly ministry, he personally revealed God, God's instruction, God's teaching, God's nature. Um, we know in the Old Testament there are multiple names of God, and Jesus Christ lived out those aspects of the Father before his disciples, most personally, but before all of his followers. And they know him, and they have experienced God himself through him, he says, I have manifest your name. I have my personal life, actions, everything I have done and accomplished while here on earth has made your name known to those, to those broad followers, but also to directly to those disciples that have lived and worked and served alongside him so that God himself might be known on earth through uh, Jesus Christ. Um, yours they were, so these were God's children. These are the ones that God had, had called out for him. And, and then he says something um, that's incredibly encouraging for, for any follower of Christ. He, he says to them that they have kept your word. So in Jesus' prayer regarding his disciples, his followers, he prays to the Father saying, these ones that have been called, that you have given me, that have been called out, the ones that have been with me, have remained faithful. They have kept your word. They have um, lived out your instruction. And so 
Christ here reveals God himself. He took his uh, people out of the world as we see here. Um, Yours they kept, they kept your word. Now they know that everything that has given me is from you. And so they have encountered God himself through the revealed uh, Christ the Son uh, in living in their presence and, and knowing him. He also taught um, the people his, God's word, and he gave the people salvation. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. And so their truth, understanding and knowing the truth, has uh, demonstrated their faithfulness, it's demonstrated their uh, care, and it's also led to their very salvation. So next here, as we look together at at verse 9, we actually see this this prayer of intercession, uh, or the the true high priestly aspect of um, the prayer where Christ intercedes on behalf of his followers. He says, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they or yours. Just think about the, the reality of, of these words. Jesus Christ is praying for them, those who have followed them, him, those who have lived for him, now are declared children of God. They are, uh, he acknowledges their salvation. He acknowledges their position. And being connected to him has uniquely connected them with God. And that's encouraging for each and every one of us. So as we follow Christ, we are uh, following the one true and living God and knowing who he is through the revelation of Christ himself. Um, to us as believers. And so he, he prays for his own. Uh, we go on here in these verses, and all mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Here, um, this idea of keeping is that of care and protection. So Christ um, says, I'm coming to the Father. He is, knows what fate is ahead of him, that he will, um, he, he, his death is coming. Uh, obviously, he's aware of his resurrection and return to the Father. And he asks that Christ prays that God himself would protect and care uh, for his disciples as he prays uh, for them to be kept uh, by God. Then we uh, go on uh, in these verses and continue to see that he says that he is coming to the Father, keep them in your name which you have given to me, that they may be one as we are one. And this verse is kind of a, a transition verse to this aspect of um, specifically those unity, but most importantly, who we are and how we interact uh, as believers. And in these verses, as we continue uh, to read, we'll see the the marks uh, of the church. Um, But here we have um, what Christ has called uh, out his his children, and we'll see that they are um, 
marks of the individual believer are that of unity, joy, holiness, truth, and mission. Uh, that of doing uh, the very will of the Father. Uh, while I was with, this is verse 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of the destruction, and the scriptures, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. Uh, and I have given them your word, and the word, uh, the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as not, I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them uh, from the evil one. And so we have in these verses kind of a instructions for what Christ um, it expects of us as believers. The first is, is that of unity. And so if we are to be faithful um, to the Lord, he, he says that, that, that his desire is that they would be one as he and the Father are one. He, he speaks of um, the desire for his believers to have joy, that they would, um, their, my joy would be fulfilled in them. And then he says he has given them your words, so they have received instruction. So a believer should value, desire, uh, and seek the very instruction of God. And Christ has desired to provide that uh, for his believers, for, the, for those who are following him. And then he goes on to say um, that the world has hated them because they are not of the world. And so he speaks of the fact of how we uh, will be received by those around us. And it's not a very pleasant picture to, to, to be understood that, that you will be hated. Uh, verse 15 says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. This is a, a very interesting passage here. Uh, Jesus Christ himself, as he prays, for his disciples, as he prays for his followers, it, it seems most natural that we would want, or the disciples would want, to, to follow Jesus where he goes. And we even saw that uh, in the upper room. And um, oftentimes, I, I've known believers, many, many believers, especially as they reach older age, um, one of their prayers is they would, that they would see heaven and that and that they would be, um, the Lord might be gracious to take them home. But here in these verses, Jesus says uh, it's an allusion in a sense to the mission that they have, that there's work to be done um, by the believers and that we are called out to accomplish work and ministry for Christ um, as he's praying most specifically for the disciples, but then believers um, as well, that, that they wouldn't be, uh, where he is, that they would remain where they are, and what is he asking of them? That they would be kept from the evil one, um, which means that they would remain in faithfulness. And his desire for his followers are that we remain in faithfulness where we are, placed uh, to work and accomplish uh, the very mission of God as Jesus Christ himself did. And so um, that's not often our prayer that, Lord, leave me here that I might be faithful. <laughs> it's really easy to pray and hope and, 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 and seek after heaven, and certainly that's not a, a bad thing. 
but it also should be accomplished, uh, it should be accompanied by our understanding that we're called out by God uh, to be faithful and remain where he's placed us uh, as in, in, in the, until the moment he calls, calls us home. Um, verse 16, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And then verse 17, he, he kind of uh, here, we see this picture of what he desires for us, and that's holiness um, and truth. He says, sanctify them in truth. Sanctify, sanctification is the aspect of us growing in holiness. And so uh, another mark of a believer is that of, of desiring to live in a way that would honor Christ in holiness. And how is that done? Uh, through the truth of God's word. And, and his word is truth. Uh, Jesus Christ is truth. We see that in John 1. And so there's an interconnectedness here of who Christ is and what he's done and accomplished and how we are to seek and live out of these things for him as his desire for us in this prayer. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Here is that mission of God. Jesus came to accomplish the work and task of um, faithfulness to God that led to salvation for us through his atonement in, on the cross and now he has sent out his disciples uh, to be on mission for him just as he came uh, on mission as, as believers. Uh, so I have sent them into the world, in verse 19, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. And again, he connects his faithful action uh, of going and preparing uh, even then for the cross to the work and missions and task at hand uh, that they have uh, in, in the world. And then lastly here we see uh, in 20 through 26, Jesus' prayer uh, for the church. And this is a prayer uh, for you and for me, uh, and prayer for all believers uh, and for the church in general. Christ says, and do not, I do not ask, these, uh, ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me uh, through their word. And so Christ now is speaking of the results of the ministry of the disciples. And we know that the disciples took the gospel um, to, to all many aspects of the world, even in, in that first generation after his death. And then Paul's missionary journeys where he was able to take um, the gospel to Asia Minor and all the way uh, to Rome. And so Jesus here is praying for that work in the ministry of ultimately what becomes all the, the other books of the New Testament and then all the way throughout history even to the moment uh, that we are, are today. Jesus was praying as he went to the cross for um, that purpose. Um, here he, he goes on to say in 21 that they may... Uh, all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Uh, and so unity itself is a picture uh, and a reflection of the triune nature of God. Christ, Jesus, and the whole Christ, uh, God, the Holy Spirit, are in unity as one uh, God in three persons. And so he desires that um, believers would be unified in their work and ministry and task at hand. 
And sadly, we know that even examples in Scripture where that is not the case, that um, there were those that went with Paul um, and then those that went out from him. Um, There were schisms in the church, even in the early church recorded in Scripture. But it is something that you and I individually as, as believers and corporately as a body should desire and work toward uh, unities. Christ has called us to be united in Him. Uh, that unity um, doesn't compromise truth. It doesn't compromise the gospel. It doesn't compromise the message of, of salvation in Christ Jesus. Um, and it leads to an, a bond and exper- an experience of Christian bonding where we uh, come together and work uh, together, even in all of our differences, uh, reflecting uh, the very gospel itself. And and as Jesus said in these verses, for um, ask for these, but also for those who believe in me, that they may all be one just as you and I, the Father, are in me, and that I in you, they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so the unity and the way that, that, that we uh, live is a picture of the gospel and the love that we have for each other is a picture of the gospel that would encourage others to faith in Christ. Uh, so it is an um, important issue. And oftentimes we as pastors have the opportunity to um, maybe sit down with those who um, are not in a point of unity that uh, are are challenged and, 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 and have come to an impasse. Um, but we must remember that the Scriptures called us to, to unity, and it takes hard work to accomplish that. And so, um, but the stakes are high because um, disunity and um, disorder and, and failure to love inhibits the very message of the gospel um, because Christ here says that uh, we are to be in unified so that the gospel itself might go forth and accomplish um, its work as a picture of, 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 of the redemption that is accomplished in Christ. Lastly here we see in these verses, how he, he says in verse 23, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me. Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Here... Christ closes this message of, uh, or prayer to the Father with an intimate picture of the interconnectedness that, that he has with his disciples and, and believers that connects us directly with the Godhead Father, um, the God of this world, the, the one who is uh, above all, the one that there is none other like him. And it leads uh, to uh, worship and leads to a recognition of what he's done and accomplished on our behalf that is an outpouring of his love that is reflected uh, by loving others. Here Jesus says, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known 
that the love with which you have loved me be in them and I in them. And so as we close and and think about these verses, we have a picture of Jesus himself. First praying for his own faithfulness, praying that that he would accomplish the work of sanctification and uh, work of salvation on the cross. Um, And then praying for his disciples. And then in the end, he, he prays for us for believers that they, we might be unified, that we might be in him, and we might be faithful to him, we might follow him, so that the love of God might be made known in the world. And I pray that that would be our desire today, and that we as First Baptist Taylors would be faithful in doing that, and that others might see Christ in our love for each other, and the work and the mission of God would go forth and, and accomplish much. Uh, as we close, I just want to kind of give you an update. I spoke with Jeremy uh, for the work and the ministry, the, those that are on mission this week, and it has gone very well. Uh, I understand that they're traveling uh, back, uh, those that will be coming back, and so we want to pray that the Lord would keep them as they travel and, and pray for all those who have been involved in the work uh, and those who have been there for training that the Lord would accomplish much through their ministry. So let's pray as we close. Father, thank you so much for our time together this morning in your word. What an encouragement to see that you love us so much that Christ Jesus, even this moment, you're interceding on behalf of us before the Father and in the throne room. And Lord, uh, as you prepared for the cross, we were on uh, your mind. You desired that we uh, know you, that we be faithful to you, and then Lord, most of all, that we uh, serve you in a way that would bring glory to Christ so that others may know him. I pray for our team, Lord, as they are preparing to um, finish up the work and the ministry and return. I pray for all those who have been involved in in the work that you would bless them. I pray that they've had a time of refreshing and that our team would have time to rest and, and, Lord, come back excited for the work that you're doing all around the world. And Lord, we just ask all these things in Christ's holy name I pray. Amen.